Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. And between the years 1990 and 2000, I did hundreds of interviews with musicians for the Irish Times in a slot that was originally called the Joe Jackson Interview. When Paddy Woodworth, the newspaper's arts editor, launched its now legendary sound and vision double page spread. The name above the title idea was his. And I once said to Paddy, why me, Lord? I was joking, though editors do like to be addressed that way. Paddy explained that he chose me primarily because we both believed that the arts should be central to political debate rather than relegated to the sidelines, and that as such, popular music, as an outgrowth of popular culture, could and should be explored from a socio-political perspective. Either way, that slot, which if only because it was a three-quarter page spread in the Irish Times, became much sought after, and it could help sell out a gig, or so Tony Bennett once told me. And that, to me, was the added bonus, especially as someone who became an interviewer to meet my music heroes. I now had access to virtually any musician I wanted to interview, including longtime heroes such as Bennett, Ray Charles and Joni Mitchell. And even if all I got was a phone interview, something I usually rejected because it didn't lend itself to in-depth discussion, I was happy to say, you bet. What follows? is one of my Irish Times interviews. Enjoy. Hello. Yes. Hi, BB King, please. Speaking. Hello there. My name is Joe Jackson. Well, how are you? A good Irish name for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I hope you've taken your Pepticon this morning. I need it. <laughs> okay, this is uh, the Irish Times, and I do a, kind of, I do a relatively serious music slot here. I, I, have, I feel I have a great responsibility for my readers. So it's kind of, I've interviewed loads of people from Bono to Sounds of Blackness. There's a whole musical spread there. And it goes out to about one third of the people in Ireland. So even though it's a phone link, I'd like to make it uh, serious enough. That's okay with you. Oh, sure, I'm with you. All right. So I just want to give, uh, you, you know, you're playing here. I want to give audiences a, a better context. You know the link between you and you two? He has described Zeropa as not far from Mississippi mud. And he describes it as Liffey mud, saying there's these kind of gospel, blues, spiritual links, which would make the total sense for you to sing with him or for that connection you both had. Do you agree with that? Well, I, yes, of course. There, there is much feeling, of course. Uh, uh, the gospel and blues are very close together, as you might know. Sure. And uh, without a doubt, Bono and uh, the band is, without a doubt, one of the greatest uh, talents in the world. And uh, they have the same feelings, I'm sure, because, uh, you know, the Irish have had their problems. And sure. We've had ours. But what is that, you know, ta does talented to you mean just musically, or does it mean this kind of spiritual, and I don't even mean that in a, a Christian way, I mean more in a kind of emotional, as you say, kind of need to sing out, need to play out, that whole kind of layer of lift the spirit. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, all of my life, I've heard that the greatest singer was Irish tenors. Okay. <laughs> I've also heard that some of the best... Do you ever listen to any of them? Of course I do. Right too. Well, right now, I don't have anybody other than you two, uh, Bono, at, at, the, at the moment in my mind. But really? Okay. Hang on a second. There, um, <laughs> there was... Um, uh, a guy that used to be with Jack Benny, and I can't remember his name. Oh, right. And he was a great, great Irish tenor. Oh, okay. All right. I, yeah, I can't place him either. Go on. But you know what I'm talking about. Sure, I do. Yeah, and yeah. There are others, but you 
me off guard there for a little bit. Okay, no problem, no problem. I'll leave it out. But uh, I don't think, as you mentioned, that it has to be a spiritual thing for people to sing. I think okay. singing or playing music, generally singing, uh, is something that's enjoyable. Right. You you kind of clean your soul. As you mentioned to me about the Pepticon, it's no better tonic than singing. <laughs> and there's not alcohol in it. No. <laughs> too negative about it if you don't feel that way. You did ask me. Right, right. could not be. Oh, yeah, not to be negative. You know, I, mean? I couldn't be. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I've seen negative readings of what they did, saying they were just trying to hook themselves to the greats, like with you or Johnny Cash or whoever, but I don't think they need to do that either. No, they don't. I don't know. People write many. Sure, sure, sure. I'm sure that they write maybe what they think, but... But you did say there that the Irish have the problems, and I talked to Gary Hines, you know, the leader of Sounds of Blackness? Yeah. Who did the World Cup there, theme song, and they have a great album out called From Africa to America, The Journey of the Drum. Yeah. And he kind of made that link between, that's where I got it, the kind of need to sing out, whether it's kind of black Afro-Americans or poor white Americans, like sharecroppers' sons, like, you, like Elvis, like Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy is a black needing, and the Irish, just because they were oppressed, needing to sing out, that that's like a natural need. I don't know hardly how to comment on right. that no more than say I enjoy doing it. Right. And but, most of the people I know enjoy doing it. So whether it's a need, uh, emotional need, or whatever it might be, it's just there. It is there. Right. We do it. Well, I also saw that, you know, you mentioned, I know you were in the famous St. John Gospel Singers. That was kind of a, a gospel base for you musically. It was, yeah. Is, that, is there any truth to this suggestion by Gary Hines again that he felt there was an Irish influence on the call and response structures in, in American music, that some of the Irish hymns that were brought over, you know the way you use it with guitar and voice, that this has some kind of like, and Bonner even said the Irish were Memphis before he got there. Have you ever got any truth in that Do kind of thing? you know what my name is? Riley? Yes. <laughs> That's a very short answer to my question. All right. <laughs> But wait. My, my dad, uh, yeah, <laughs> my dad came, I said, uh, he named me for uh, one of his friends, a person he used to work for, named Jim O'Reilly. All right. So I asked him, why did he take the O off? He said, I didn't look Irish enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, you do. I don't see why not. <laughs> But would you have been aware of that? Well, I didn't know what Bono meant, and I haven't, he's a friend, but I haven't asked him when he said in Rattle and Home, the Irish were in Memphis before me. Would you have been aware of any kind of Irish musical influence in the 40s and 50s in Memphis? No. Well, I just mentioned one to you. But music, musical, though. Well, he was a singer. All right. Now, that's music to me. All right, he was a singer. Yeah, I'm talking about, I, All right. I keep trying to remember his name, but he was one that stands out more than anybody I can think of at the moment in my mind. 
Right. But I know I used to watch the show many times, and he, it was always uh, commented that, that he was uh, an Irish tenor. I just know he was a great singer. Right, right. It, sorry, yeah? Go ahead. Is it true? You, you originally thought you would make it as a gospel singer, like apparently Elvis did in the beginning, and he wanted to be part of the Songbirds. That seemed to be just the name of many Memphis musicians that you thought that's as far as you would go. Is that true? Uh, I have to put it this way. I found that before leaving Mississippi, my home state, right. that when I'd sit on the corners and sing, when I'd sing gospel songs, people would always compliment me highly, pat me on the shoulders, say, keep it up, son, you're going to be great one day. But right. they never tipped. They never tipped? No. <laughs> but uh, when I... Uh, so there's no money in gospel. to be a gospel singer, to becoming the king of rock and roll. Did that ever make you angry? Did you ever feel he did that only because he was white? No. No? I've talked to someone like Honey Boy Edwards, and he felt very much like that Sam Phillips ripped him off, and then when he focused on the white boys after finding Elvis, he let down the black musicians that he'd supposed to be well, back let with. me put it to you this way. In America, there's something like 220-some million people. Right. Only 22 million, about 25 now, are black. Okay. So how could I ever be angry about something when the majority of the people are white already? Sure enough. between you and Elvis, neither of you wanted to go back into overalls after you got out of them. Uh, neither wanted to do what? To get back into overalls. You, oh, know, no. you know Elvis... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I really wear jeans. <laughs> That's no, Elvis was exactly the same. You know that? I didn't know oh, he, him, he I swore. I rarely wear jeans today. Everybody be wearing jeans. <laughs> I rarely put on... I don't wear them in the street even today. I wear them around the home. Oh, in right. In the streets, I do not wear them. I That makes two of us. Yeah. Uh, we had, I wore jeans enough when I was a boy working. So we both share that. Did, you know when you use things like, you use strings with blues, like 10 years before Thrill is gone. Yeah. Did anybody accuse you then of kind of the purists or even maybe blacks say you shouldn't do that with kind of Afro-American music? Did you I ever? Listen to them. But they did feel that, did they? 
some of them. I didn't listen to them like I don't listen today. I, uh, right. Uh, I've never gotten any trophies from Blues Purists. Really? And I haven't gotten any other way, so. <laughs> well, you have. You got a Grammy for the Charles Con. Yeah, but that was from people that, or my peers. Right. That, that wasn't from the public. All right. That was from my peers. And uh, the things that have happened to me that have been supported by the public, they're the ones I try to please. But I would see when you mix strings, and a lot of jazz musicians got the same flack in the 50s. I don't know, there's some guy called Charlie, somebody did a red-covered album where he recorded with strings. I can't remember his name at the moment. And the jazz kind of buffs were saying that that was a betrayal, but I see that as extending the palette. Listen, the strings have been around for a long time. Right. The greats like Beethoven and Tchaikovsky and all of those people use strings. Right. That, that's always apparently been a longing of an interest of yours to extend the blues symphonically. Of course, why not? Right, right. I've always thought that the blues had, from the beginning, been put down and got a bad rap. Right. Now, don't get me wrong, some of it, probably like some of the music today, deserve it. Okay. That bad rap. <laughs> right, what kind of stuff would be bad, bad, bad to you about it? selling speed to musicians at Sun. Did you do speed at Sun when back in 1950-51? This is what they're now saying? Oh, no. This is the latest story, that he wasn't making a record for his mama's birthday. He used to steal his mama's amphetamines and sell them to black musicians at Sun. Oh, that's a lie. Poor Elvis. I'll go as far as to say that's a lie, Would because I saw him many times, and every time I saw him, he was rehearsing. Right. And I never known him to sell anything. But music, right? And goodwill. That's all I ever knew about him. Did he really kind of? I've been in Memphis, and I have some black friends in Memphis who told me that they don't think he was ever allowed into black clubs in Memphis as a white boy. Segregation at that time. Yeah. The whole South was segregated. You wasn't allowed if you were black to go in a white club. Right. together with him. Not in, not in jam, but right. many of what we did. 
Right, but that's how Memphis was split. Apparently the blacks couldn't go up on the main strip certain days of the week and the whites just didn't go down to Beale Street. That's not, that's not true. Either. Isn't that okay? That's Those people ran by white people. All right. Beale Street? Yeah. All right. Even then? Even then. Oh, okay. Let me try to make this. There were people that were very liberal from the very beginning. All of my life I've had white friends. Right. All of my life. And I also lived You should have taken your pep to come. <laughs> <laughs> but I know you're doing fine by me. I've seen them say that.
made than I was at that time. Okay. But I meant what I was writing. Sure. But you still sing it. Yes, I sing it. And do you get any flack from, from women in the audience? I get flack from people that are not in the audience. All right. So, yeah, I get flack from them. <laughs> but uh, everybody says things. At least I'm not using four-letter words. Okay. Well, also, and I'm coming down to the last few questions if you're packing to go. Sorry for keeping you so long, and I thank you for sticking with me. It is my pleasure. I'm glad to talk with you. Thank you very much. Now, this is the question of um, that blues has not become the voice of the neighborhood, of the black neighborhoods anymore. The whites have reappropriated, and it's now rap that black people want to sing. They use the four-letter words, and they do songs that are misogynistic. So do you think blues has been killed by rap? No, no. Blues, as far as the black was dead long before rap came. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. Why, though? Because it reminded them. I talked to blacks, and they said it reminded some of them too much of a history they'd rather forget. Well, some of them it did, but I'm okay. still trying to tell them that everybody's got some, uh, some you know, uh, some, some dirty clothes in the closet. It's, I don't think it's any race around that hasn't had something happen that they'd rather it didn't happen. Right. So right. by not talking about it, doesn't make it go away. Doesn't change it. Sure, sure. So I don't let that stop me. Yeah, I know that I'm going to be wrapped for a lot of the things I do or don't do, but I still try to do things I think is right to do. Uh, I don't see nothing wrong with singing. Well, you're not putting anybody down or putting things down. And you make a statement like I paid a cost to be the boss. Doggone it, I did. What about, do any blacks ever say you should have done more songs that were political through all those years of, like, uh, riots and all that in the 60s and the 70s? Did, uh, did they want, did they I, want you, sorry. I've had some to say I should have, but they wasn't in the background like I was making money and raising money to help the, to help the cause. All right. And I did much of that. I didn't do a lot of marching and I didn't do political songs. Right. Uh, not a lot of them, but... I did do work, and uh, if you said everything that you have done to people, it would be like blowing your own horn. All right, all right. Well, I think what you did was you popularized the blues without bastardizing the blues, if I may use the word. Well, let And you made, I'm a white boy, you made white boys like me love it, which is a big gesture. Thank you, but let me say this to you, please, before we hang Sorry, okay. Is, uh, the, the, the blues, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, my fans was usually my age and older. Okay. So as I got older, they were still the same way, my age and older, until they got so many, a uh, certain age, until they wasn't living no more, so they were just about my age. Okay. But our new uh, audience has been white people, especially young white people. Okay. But since my... Association with you too. I'm happy to tell you that today it's not unusual to see young blacks, teenagers, right. come up to me and says, "Hi, B, how you doing?" When they did not do that before my association with you too. Really? Yes, sir. You too have one. That's a very strange kind of turnaround, isn't well, it? It's, it's the truth, though, because they like you too, and they know that you too what they stood for, and if you too thought enough of me. A lot of them that was already fans of U2 automatically recognized me as being a part of what they liked. So do you make enough now to keep the extended family in place and, and to not have to worry about going back to overalls? <laughs> <laughs> do you? Well, let me put it to you this way. <laughs> I've worked.
care. Much I'm still averaging about 250 to 275 contracts per year. But I will tell you that if I didn't want to do it, right. I don't have to do it. Does that give you enough? Well, you're 50 years in it now, coming up in like, what, 96? You'd be, you would see yourself as 50 years in show business. Well, I'm 44 at this time. 44, okay. Yeah, uh, professionally. All right. But I am saying to you... If you didn't want to do it, you wouldn't do it. If I didn't want to, I don't, wouldn't have to. What I'm trying oh, to yeah, say is okay. I'm, I'm okay. well off enough today, I wouldn't say rich, but okay. well off enough today that if I didn't want to do it, I wouldn't have to do it. So okay. no, I don't have to go to overalls today. <laughs> the last question is, do you still have that wish that you'd gone to music college and hadn't married till after 40? Both of them? Yes. Right. Why, why the music college, though? Just to extend your musical palette even further? Yes. I would like to know more about it than what I do. I've had such a hard time with what we call trial and error. You try this, sure, it doesn't sure. sound right, you try something else. If you're musically trained, like most of the people are today, um, you, you don't have to do that. Sure. You know that this will work and that won't work. Right, right. Okay, I think you're incredibly. I, I, I have sat in your bar. I don't know if you still own it in Memphis. Hoping I'd yeah, see you. Yeah, I own it. Do you? I'm about to open another one. Where? In Memphis? No, no. We opened this one at. Uh, it's opening on the first of the month coming up. Where? Uh, and uh, at the Universal Walkway out in Hollywood. Oh wow. Uh, out at Universal Pictures, where the Amphitheater, uh, the Amphitheater is there. Right. Okay. We're gonna open it up on the first. All right. After so what? The second one. Okay. Why don't you open the third in Dublin? <laughs> I'll be there the first night if you do. And I wish I could, and that would be one night I'd have a drink with you. Oh, I would love that. And I'll see you when you get over. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. And if you want to read the article that came out of that chat you just heard, check my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com. Also, if you'd like to be notified of shows that focus on hundreds more interviews like the one you just heard, why not subscribe to the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast? Either way, thank you for listening.